0: Welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity beer and movies. Sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to watch the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am one of your illustrious co hosts, Carlos Cooper, with me as always.
1: Snoogans, it's me, Joe Hilliard, <laughs>
0: and Dave Gurney. Snoochie Boochies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we're going to moisten our glasses because it's been almost 30 full seconds and we haven't done it yet, which is a shame. Um, now, I could think of a, a tie-in to this, but I'm not going to go there because uh, it would get graphic. But
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, no, <laughs> today's I to the day. There.
0: there is a ghost in a bathroom in a convenience some, oh, somewhere <laughs> that has blue balls. <laughs> right, so. Uh, and so we are having the blue ghost Okay, uh, there you go. <laughs> from there Rebel you Toad. You go. Obviously, uh, (laughs) if you are from Corpus and are familiar with the culture here, uh, a reference to the USS Lexington. But this is also... It's also kind of... some. There's some punnery happening because it's a blueberry gosa. Oh, nice. Uh, We
1: haven't done a gosa on the show in quite a while.
0: This is as far as i can tell i think that at the time of the recording this uh, of the time of recording this episode the newest offering from rebel to this the most recent thing that they have done that they've never done
2: before yeah um and by the time this comes out that may have changed that may have there
0: changed may some but as of you know mid-may 2021
1: if, if memory serves i think we did rebel toad when we did that saw and spiral episode yeah that's a, Just, that was so long ago yeah it's month, hard to a month maybe two yeah maybe three or four months ago <laughs> <Who knows? laughs>
0: um but yeah so uh i was at the brewery um the weekend that that happened uh they were had just done the canning their first can run or whatever and so i got some cans of aprica Hopra, which we drank and Mm -hmm. i wanted to pick this up because i tried it when i was there and i thought good or bad we got to talk about
1: this we're going to share a grow a a crowler of Mm -hmm. this 32 ounce but david i know that you prepared the idea of what a gosa is uh i mean when we say gosa what are we talking about we're talking about a sour ale.
2: Um, we're talking about one that usually has some salt. And yeah. you, usually, I mean, there can often be like other fruit flavors incorporated into it. Um, it's, it's, Lime is a popular one. It is, but it, it's very much traditionally a German style. Right. That even in Germany, they tend to add flavored fruit syrups two um and i can't remember the one that's most like popular like after it's brewed like when yes, they're serving right? it. like they'll they'll pour it and then they add the syrup to it well, they'll, to the, kind they'll of... let
1: the customer choose from a selection of syrups for their flavor that they yeah, want. yeah
2: so so as far as like fruited sours go it's actually kind of one of the you know templates for the the concept of like a lightly sour beer that yeah. has a fruit flavor added to it and
1: typically like you said a salt uh, element to yes it. um and it's also one of those beers that usually mar- no ABV marketing yeah. folks enjoy because of all of the ways that they want to talk about Gosa yeah. And, and use the word uh, gosa as a pun.
0: Yeah. It, right. I mean, in usually, fact. Uh, usually low ABV, but in this case, 6.1, I think, or 6%. Right.
1: Like
2: a, uh, a former, uh, well, a brewery that we've had on the show before, Barreled Souls out of Maine, they have a gosa that they call Space Gosa. Right. Like Space mm. Ghost. Space yeah. Ghost. Right. So ghost they, they, ghost. there's a lot of, it's not um, unheard of for breweries to play off of the goza ghost kind of similarity there. Yeah. So um, Which exciting to, movie? thank you, Carlos for bringing that along and yeah, I'm excited
1: uh, to see what hmm. see where we land on it well this is an episode that seems like months maybe years in the making how many times have we said we need to do Kevin Smith we need to do Kevin Smith we need to do Kevin Smith and the only argument we had was wasn't even a big argument which two films of kevin smith's would we do in the quote-unquote kevin smith episode or at least the first iteration because i think carlos after we discuss which two films we're going to do you've already said and put your flag in the ground that you'd like to do a second kevin smith episode someday
0: yeah i think there's uh two eras three really uh but two good eras of Kevin Smith to <laughs> to discuss. Um I guess we could do a Jersey Girl cop out episode. Or actually, I take that back. Jersey Girl technically fits into the first era when you're looking thematically Did Jay and Silent Bob show up in that
2: movie? I don't know if they did, honestly. I don't remember ever. I think, I, I long.
0: think that I think it's technically I would guess universe. I, I I, yeah, I think Jersey Girl technically fits into the view of Universe and then so I guess it would be more appropriately like Zack and Miri make a porno Where and there's a Cop change. Out would be okay. the yeah. middle era yeah. to discuss. And okay. then there's the era after that, um, which I think is more worth discussing. Even though in a
2: way he had tried to use Red State as this thing that was going to mark the end of his filmmaking, right? Wasn't that the one that he said was going to be the end and then... It wasn't originally intended to be that, okay. but it became that due to...
0: Um, Events surrounding its uh, premiere at Sundance and the sale of its distribution. Okay, um,
2: and when he th- sold it to himself. Yes. yes. <laughs> if
1: you are a cineista, you have seen Clerks. This is the beginning of Kevin Smith's career. It came out in nineteen ninety four. The odds are high. The idea that Kevin Smith and Tarantino and Rodriguez and maybe even Linklater were out on the festival circuit together at the beginning-ish of all of their careers was a magical time for me as a college senior when Clerks came out, uh, unable to see it on the big screen, but Mm -hmm. caught up quickly with it on VHS, and it was a transformative film for me. Which I'll get into in just a second. Kevin Smith's first film, Clerks, is the highlight, the centerpiece of our first half conversation here.
0: Yes, it is what we're going to be talking about, and you know, it's it's fitting that you know I I think when we look in at least in terms of what you're just saying about Tarantino and Rodriguez and Smith, I mean, they obviously all have ties to being like early '90s, like at the precipice of this like new wave of American cinema. Or American independent cinema, which was largely brought on due to studios like Miramax Mm -hmm. uh, taking big risks on these kind of films and like giving them proper distribution and stuff like that, and really promoting them. them, Yeah, Yeah. Um, but it's I'm really glad that you said Richard Linkletter's name because that slacker 1990, distributed by Orion, not uh, Miramax, Miramax, um, is in no uncertain terms cited by Smith every time he talks about clerks is like, I saw that and I realized, Oh, I can make a I movie yeah. about me and my friends talking it, about the stuff that we that we want to talk about. Yeah, and if, so that's, if he can
1: make a movie, Richard Linklater, uh, if for he can, nothing. If he can make a movie for nothing that demonstrates exactly his point of view, the way that he did with slacker with the return that it received on investment. Cause that's talk about low budget. Then I can do that. I can raise. What was it? A hundred. Okay. Not even. It
2: was uh, to to begin with. The
1: budget was twenty seven thousand. Okay. Shoot it on black and white five. to save a, a little bit of money. Shoot it with locations that I know about, which mm-hmm. is the, the the convenience store where he worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick stop. Uh, shoot it on the roof of Quick Stop. You know, literally whatever. shoot
0: it at his place of work. Yeah.
1: yeah. Then, and having a relationship with the owner and being able to do it after hours and all of that, then I can do that too. And that's exactly what he did. And for that, and for the buzz that this film got when it came out, and for the voice of Kevin Smith in this first film that is filthy but refreshingly so, got an NC 17 for just words mm. which was you know effectively appealed and got the R rating without having to make any cuts in the in the language graphic sex talk but the way whether yeah. we like it or not guys will talk sometimes when they're by themselves especially maybe in 1994 no. <laughs> Then
2: certain guys is, yeah.
1: then uh then this movie is a, is, a, is a success all around now the question i'll ask it maybe as we get into it is how well does it hold up this many years later with some of the more sensitive leanings that we have as a society you should stop banging your hands on the table by the way i'm trying to be emphatic <laughs> uh
0: thank yeah you for, thank you for that note I, I mean i mean there's there's a lot of uh lore and backstory to this i mean smith going off to i believe vancouver for film school school with producer and co-editor scott mosher and then kind of dropping out of it after a while realizing like wait i'm here to learn how to make a film i already have a film i want to make and him selling his comic book collection to get the money for it and casting his friends in the roles um famously the role of randall was supposed to be played by smith he wrote like himself as that role Uh uh and then I can't remember the exact reason why he said he changed it. Maybe because, like, act, directing and producing is so much fucking work already, <laughs> you know? Uh, <laughs> like a, and, a, a role and, with and, less lines would Yeah, be <laughs> and, and so And so then he was like, oh, I still want to be in my own movie, though. And so he writes himself as a character that, you know doesn't speak doesn't speak uh, silent bob um there's a until he has to until he until he has to um which in our second movie when he does speak it's not quite as as effective as it normally is for good old silent bob but hmm. uh and then also i mean you know there's a ton of backstory too about jason muse and like kevin writing the role of jay because he's like oh i know this kid like Like, I just go down the street and get him, you know? And he'll play the guy. And he's funny. And has charisma. And he's funny and has charisma. But once the camera started rolling, Jason Mewes, like, shuts down. And (laughs) is, like, uh, it's like talking to a brick. He's, like, uh, a brick wall. He's, like, giving nothing. And and, uh, Kevin Smith having to teach Jay to act like himself, himself. you know? Like, giving him this acting course of, like, no, I need you to do this. And that's to, here's how you be you. (laughs) And then, you know, this also begins, like, um, Kevin putting like his friends in the movie uh, as like, um cameos, like all his like mm-hmm. like Walt Flanagan is he's in this as like four or five different people mm-hmm. just out of necessity because mm-hmm. Walt was hanging out
1: on set. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going
0: to hang out with my friend making this movie. And I was like, oh, shit, like the person who was supposed to do this didn't show up. Walt, you need to get in here, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's
1: uh, quickly synopsize. I imagine. So, <coughs> oh,
0: yeah, there's <coughs> two clerks hanging out at a convenience store talking about dumb shit. And yeah, the, the,
1: <laughs> the second clerk is at the neighboring well, RST. Yeah, even worse,
2: yeah. one is actually supposed to be manning a separate store <laughs> yeah. that just closes periodically throughout the day when he decides to go hang out with his friend at the store next door i
0: yeah. need drunken hussies five backdoor patrol two <laughs> chicks with ticks three he's like listing off all these yeah. profane Snappy pornos hap- in front of scrappy someone.
1: happy hero pop Yay. yeah <laughs> um insane. but what was that title yet
0: <laughs> uh and what was it was it like beethoven two or something? no it was it scrappy was like happy, scrappy hero pop. happy it was, okay yeah.
1: uh And so, what you see is a day in the life of one of the clerks, Dante, who's not even supposed to be here today. uh, Who is, you know, basically having an existential moment, an existential crisis moment.
2: Right? This is, in some ways, a coming-of-age film. He's he's coming to terms with the fact that he needs to move on with his life. He's he's, which is crazy because he doesn't look young. No, like Ryan O'Halloran doesn't look like a a young man, really. He already. He, he, <laughs> but he was a perfect like mid 90s, 20 something. Yeah, that's you know, like he's he's the guy who didn't really ever go to college or certainly didn't finish college, Uh, you know, kind of just floated on in this mm-hmm. convenience store job because it paid the bills, I guess, and he could live the kind of you know, minimal lifestyle that he had. But sort of coming to terms with the fact that there's probably more. There's probably something else going on. Yeah,
1: Um, And he's seeing some of his uh, cohorts from high school moving on and achieving greater things.
2: His girlfriend. Right. Um, And the
1: Asian design major. Yes. (laughs) Her fiance.
2: Um, So, yeah, I mean, you you have these guys kind of, you know, who are – Arrested Development figures, right? These are guys who have not quite matured to the point that they probably should have at this point in their oh, lives. Randall, the video Randall's store clerk, who has it. no, yeah, sure, no, no,
1: he has no problem with it. My biggest goal is to go to a better video store to write better videos. <laughs> I'm Aphrodites, chicks with dicks. I mean, I did it for you,
2: right? Yeah. Um,
1: but <laughs> sorry, I'm just quoting the film.
2: No, <laughs> no, 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 no. But ge- giving us this opportunity to kind of revel in the kind of inane, but sometimes. Skirting the profound kind of talk that could happen mm-hmm. when you're just allowing yourself to muse and coast and, and, you know, think about these things. So, um, there's yeah. a lot, there's
1: a love triangle. There are love interests, yeah. uh, which gives, which really is just the entree well, like, to more sex is, talk.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And there, I mean,
0: there's a lot to do here with like the disillusionment, the disillusionment of like capitalism and like the menial, like, wages that are paid to these people that run these establishments and like why am i supposed to give a fuck about this they don't hammer on that so they don't hammer on it and it doesn't
2: and it doesn't really come across as somehow the you know the these owners of you know no it doesn't never see like they do talk about
0: like yeah like especially especially randall is like why the fuck do you care man like yeah you know it's just, well, a, that, you're just a fucking clerk, dude. Like,
1: right, right. Uh, and it opens the idea for sexual politics and the idea of uh, struggling with a... You've only slept with three people, but you've sucked 37 dicks. In a <laughs> row? In a row, yeah. Uh, 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 but struggling, uh, men struggling with uh, strong women in their lives. I mean, there's there's a lot of, you know, room for interesting conversation here. And Eastern Europe's
0: medal? Yeah. Do you want like to make him fuck yeah. Um Is teeny?
1: that what this episode's going to be? Because <laughs> I can play along. I loved this movie when it came out. This movie went straight to my top 10 list. Mm-hmm. I owned every version of it. I still do. Um, I own Clerks X. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I fell in love with this movie when it came out. Yeah. I loved the cheeky, horrible language, the reason why it got NC-17. My girlfriend at the time, who later became my wife, and is no longer, uh, got horrifically offended by this movie when really? we watched it together and oh, left. No.
0: That's a bad sign. Wait, That's like a this, bad sign. Like a, a, a few days ago? No, no. no I'm is... talking about
1: back in 1994. Ex- oh, yeah.
0: ex, I thought. You,
1: sorry. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I should have understood at that moment that might not be a long term. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a horrible joke. Um, but I loved this movie when it came out. The Jay and Silent Bob characters. The idea of, I mean, being Iconic. a film major and, and and seeing the sweat that went into making this thing. Mm-hmm. And yes, you see inferior kind of filmmaking technique. And of course you would.
2: But not, not super, I mean, I guess, you it's in like terms, terms of Joe, lighting and like yeah, but cost okay. measure. But like, okay, so like you, Joe, I saw it back then Go on ahead. VHS. I did. I did not see it in the theater. Right. I was. I was a little too young. Um, but as soon as it came out on VHS, I remember getting this. I would have been about sixteen, and I remember watching it with a group of friends who were also kind of film obsessed. We were kind of early in our film obsession mm-hmm. phase, and doing like a you know late night watching this and just totally. You know, laughing our asses off and feeling like, wow, this is like a window onto a kind of story that depicts something close to, you know, what art. Not that I was ever quite these guys, um, but at 16, I was certainly as close to these guys as I ever got in my life. Right. And so there was something very relatable there. Their obsession with pop culture, you know, the Star Wars conversations. um, Great point. By the
1: way are pretty goddamn great.
2: And have now been made canon. Yeah, the
1: Empire... At
0: that point has now been written into the right. Star Wars universe. The notion of subcontractors yeah, the building the wrong. second
1: Death Star. I mean, I had never thought of that before. Yeah. But that was no, pretty. No, it's clever, yeah, funny. Yeah, it it's was. the
2: kind of conversation you have with your buddies. Mm-hmm. If you're riffing and you know, just kind of enjoying each other's company and throwing out different theories about, well, what if this was the thing? Right. And then you know that Kevin Smith and some friend of his had that kind of conversation and just... Oh, we got to write that down. Okay, yeah, that's going to be something that we're going to do here. So, and also the the it happens in the Mandalorian. Okay, where their conversation about
0: the contractor about the contractors contractors
2: dying is is now an official part of the story. There you go. So, I mean, from that standpoint, this film worked really, really well. And you know to what you're saying, given the budget that it was, I mean, this film could have been so much more technically deficient than yeah. it is like it's a minor miracle that this film is lit as well and the sound is as good and all the things that work in this film work the way they do because think about how many films you've seen with bigger budgets that mm. have not done as good a job with the visuals with all that so it's also in the library film,
0: of congress yeah just yeah, recently a couple 2019, of years
2: ago, yeah I mean, it is. It's part of, you know, what Joe was saying earlier when introducing it is totally accurate. This was one of those, probably the last one in in a certain sense, of the first, I mean, it's probably not right to call it first, but that 90s wave of American independent cinema where maybe touched off by Soderbergh in the late 80s, Linklater, Rodriguez, Tarantino, and, you know, Allison Anders, there were a handful of others who kind of came in this wave of filmmakers who told different kinds of stories. Did this kind of more relaxed, as you said, inspired by Slacker. But this film, a little bit sharper than Slacker in a certain sense, a little bit more narrative focused. I was going to say, slightly more coherent narrative. It's episodic in its own way.
1: But- well, it's a series of vignettes. Yeah. I mean, and there is some through story mm-hmm. with the girlfriend and girlfriends mm-hmm. and... But it's a series of okay, vignettes. An Asian the design major. Let's play hockey on the roof vignette. The let's have a conversation about, and this is a real conversation when you talk to a partner about how many sexual partners they've had. That's a conversation we've probably all had before. And the fragile male ego of Dante, who can't handle the right. idea that his lady. Well,
2: and and to to give him credit, like he's initially met with almost uh you know distressed from his from his partner there and i'm forgetting the girlfriend's name is it veronica, veronica yeah, yeah. okay caitlin um, is the xx yeah veronica is first because what's his number of partners it's like 12 yeah, yeah. And he says he slept with like 12 people and she's shocked that he slept with 12 she's only um, slept with three a- appalled but then later when she you know th- so th- there's a little bit of you know maybe if she had come right out and said well, I've, you know, I've had sexual relationships with 40 people, then maybe that would be one thing. But Trying then, to
1: suck any dick to the parking lot, <laughs> by the way, but, David.
2: But to separate... So the bifurcation, like, uh-huh. oral sex is not sex, is, right. is, is, is the message that... Which is a funny little concept here, and, you know, it, it generates... Definitely something you can, that could be argued. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't
0: can, I mean you know, I'm not saying it can't it, it, be that, those are real arguments that have been had is what sure. I'm saying I'm not saying that I'm not taking a stand on it in one pos- way or another but I'm just saying somebody there are people who would say that oh, doesn't mean I've had sex with anybody
1: right I just fold around a little have bit. a record of enjoying crude humor when Carlos Said that he wanted the Whataburger, uh, table tabletop that had the number oh. sixty nine on it, and I had one at my home. Yeah, I brought it to him as a gift. I keep it on my desk, right
2: here in the studio. Yeah.
1: As much as locker room talk has made its way into not sixty nine jokes will always be funny. Though. <sighs> they
0: will be. You'll be. never get. To, I I have not yet gotten. They too will
1: old be, them. won't they? Because it's such a ridiculous <laughs> position when you really think <laughs> about it. <laughs> Everyone's happy or miserable.
2: (laughs) Lots of logistical problems. I can think of more ridiculous things. That's true. That's true. But anyway. As
1: will be brought up in uh, the second film we discussed.
2: But it it. is great that we have this shorthand for this that (laughs) that happens to be an actual number that gets used and sometimes comes up. That appears in nature.
1: And so while Dante participates, Randall is the filthy, filthy, filthy one. And oh, he's delightfully filthy. And watching it with new eyes... For the first time in probably three years, four or five years. It 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 is still delightfully filthy and it still makes me giggle. And as I've matured and seen all of the you know, academic films, you know, since then you see the cracks, you see the scotch tape, you see the Barely though. Yeah, you see it. I mean, it, it, it is there. If you
0: want to, I feel like you can. But I feel like if you're just watching it and you're just like, it's mostly in the what,
1: acting, in the extras acting. There's sure, some yeah, really there, there's, low there, budget. Let's is, pull a friend in stuff. Literally, but the I've entire movie is let's is pull a friend, a friend in. Friend in. Yeah, like they're made, all Kevin well, I'm Like specifically, the one that leaps to mind is the uh, police officer female that comes to uh, find the yeah. the man who who.
2: Has expired. Has expired in the bathroom that
1: the girlfriend has just had sex with because rigor mortis is going to keep everything stiff. There's no (laughs) pun intended there. It's funny, uh, but her acting is just abysmal, and and that's okay. That's okay. She's barely there. You made the whole film for, but there's a few of those, but you've made the whole film for whatever, you know. I'll forget. Yeah, No no money at all. I didn't even. Forgive all of it. I think that canon-wise, this film is important, I think that it deserves every accolade that it's ever got, and it's the rest of his career that becomes more interesting. I mean, I I hadn't seen it in, I don't know,
0: three or four years maybe when I watched it for this episode. And I think it holds up just as well as it ever did. I mean, I, I may have certain like, hang-ups about getting on board with some of the positions that the characters take on certain things, like Dante being so appalled at... You know how many dicks his girlfriend has sucked or whatever. Like, who gives yeah. a shit, man? Like, get over it. You know, uh,
2: uh, it does. It as does long seem as like a relic it, of a bygone sensibility. Uh, yeah, that, as long that, as that,
0: yeah. she, it has, she has sucked like thirty-seven dicks between now and the last time you saw her, or like something, or like between now and when you first started dating. Who fucking right. cares, dude? Like, get over agreed, it. Agreed, you know, yeah. and he's really hung up on that type of shit.
1: Given um, her age, thirty-seven is a look okay, at him. Go ahead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we don't really. Truly know how I, old any of them are, do we? Do they ever get Well, a,
2: she's in college and it and it seems like it's set up I mean, to I have not a make it seem like she's been putting it college. off. I know, but I I feel like they're supposed to be early twenties. Early I yeah. I feel like it's supposed to be like 22, 23 ish mm-hmm. kind of but yeah. They look a little older to me. They do. Part look of that a I think older. is how they dress. They're in like baggy shoulder pads. Yeah. You know, it's very 90s. The style of the time that for sure. Makes them seem a little bit older than what I would think and I and I haven't looked, but you know, Smith was what, twenty three as he was making this, I think. Like twenty three, twenty-four. Yeah. So I'm guessing they I were I mean probably, he had already gone to and dropped out of college. Right. But know? I'm but I think these people were probably, were probably in that the same, same probably age, like twenty two yeah. to twenty six years old uh, yeah. in, in general. Now the
0: only thing about this movie that I don't think has aged well uh I will describe by using uh the following terms. Vilification, syntax, vagary, pregation, malaise, persipacity, persupacit- persupacit- pers- paradigm, quandary, lamentation, juxtaposition, <laughs> catharsis. These title cards that Smith uses, by his own admission, are such, like, He's trying to elevate Falsely highfalutin nonsense. He's trying to like, elevate the content. I, I've heard him in interviews say like, I don't know what the fuck I thought I was doing. Oh, I when know I, exactly what he was thinking.
1: He was trying to balance out. He was trying to, I think, point, point fun at the idea that the content of the film is so crude yeah. by demonstrating that I actually have an IQ or at least have a dictionary. <laughs> sure, yeah. I, I just don't think that...
0: I don't remember a time where I found
2: that particular piece of it to be effective. Maybe some people did. I, um, you know, it, it's something that at the time I don't think I questioned. I, I think I knew, like I said, this came early in my era of, of getting into film, becoming sort of film obsessed, so I don't think I knew quite enough to really question it, but... Um, I mean, I think structurally it helps to break up the segments in the sense that it makes it feel like it makes more sense when we transition from one scene to the next in in certain cases, but I think they could have actually played into it more because I think it's mainly I think it's kind of trying to reference the you know practice of sort of um you know, like Peter Greenaway. There are highfalutin filmmakers. There are avant-garde filmmakers who do use these kind of like title cards to really kind of adjust focus in their film. And, you know, Tarantino does it in a less
1: sort of... Lofty it, it would have worked better maybe if they had that same vocabulary and well it, then, it just
2: seems like they should have even leaned into the absurdity of it more like you know yeah. the lament of the young man and that you know like you could almost imagine if he had gone further with the title cards rather and than just making a single word so, right like because the, there, there are s- some that i don't know what they mean
0: and so they don't mean right, anything right, to me right he, i i didn't care about the sat i'm just saying i like didn't if learn he those
2: words created more of a like contrast between like the the title making it seem like this is going to be a profound scene and then ends up being two guys talking about whether blowjobs count and you know, like then it's, then it's funny. Like, whereas if you just put this kind of esoteric word that a lot of people may not even know the full meaning of, and then you go into the scene. Okay. Then, then it's not
1: adding the word job at the end makes it less fun. (laughs) shouldn't be work.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I,
0: i i I get i get get the i get this might not age for some people but also i man i think that jeff anderson
2: for not being an actor is so good in this Mm -hmm. he he's got a good presence he it fits the character and it's i mean what we you know maybe we will talk about this in the future if we watch one of the later films where he performs either this character or something else um And he does show up briefly in the other film we're going to talk about. um, They all do. But, you know, to me, he fits that character of Randall really well. Anything else I've seen him try to do, it hasn't really been effective. Mm -hmm. Um, But he clearly does have the right kind of presence or can bring it across on camera to do that kind of Randall character with just this kind of nonchalant, like, very quick... You know, before we even did this episode, one of the things that I feel like I have a hang up about Kevin Smith or that I get hung up on about Kevin Smith is that... I feel like I'm hearing the same sensibility come through in these characters over and over and over again. Now, that wasn't the case with this film because I had never seen right. a yeah. Kevin Smith film before this. This was the the version of it. No one so, had. You know, this was a Randall film, if anything, or a Dante film. You know what I mean? Like these characters. But then as I came to find out, like the Randall-Dante dynamic is something that he just loves. He loves people who get obsessed about certain things, make observations about the world and want to prove to one another that... This th- their, their perspective view, on yeah. thing is the right perspective, and that maybe they, that's
0: why I like this movie so much because I
2: am that way. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think I think if, David, you've,
1: I never, if, if you've never, never listened to this podcast yeah.
0: before,
2: uh, but, but I think that's why I said flash. that this
1: film deserves its due because, as a standalone project, you forgive it for all of its "quote unquote" filmmaking shortcomings because of its story the pedigree the idea they're going to pull in someone who's a non-actor just to fill a role and i don't think kevin smith believed for a second that he'd have the career that he would have that this film capitalized upon he might have a filmmaking career but the universe the view askew universe that he's created
0: the universe thank thank you. you
1: is singular i mean it's 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 a thing i mean like it or not
2: yeah, and it's been a rocky road for him, but starting out with this, I mean, this is one of those, like, it's an early, big, huge win for a guy, right? Yeah, because big time. He makes this thing for, you know, thousand dollars Studio puts a little money into a soundtrack. It, right, as Carlos said, yeah. selling his comic books, credit card debt, that kind of thing. A shit ton of credit card to debt. To get this thing made. Mm-hmm. And Didn't they
1: buy the cameras and take them back? Is that... Part of the lore. Of I think they rented them. Okay. I know.
2: I know. Rodriguez stole camera, but, um, but the, you know, th- then obviously boosted it in post once they were able to get the deal with Miramax. But, um, but you know, this thing made three point two million dollars. You know, at the box office, and for a film that was basically made for not even you know one percent of that. Yeah. That's pretty amazing, and and you know again we we've we've talked about films, especially in the horror genre, that have done that kind of thing on an even grander scale. But this, for doing it with a film that's all about talk, pretty much. I mean, this is not an action film. Nope. This is not a. This is a comedy, and it's a very wordy comedy. It is not one that is built on slapstick kind of uh, physical humor. Even though there's descriptions of physical <laughs> things that are going on that are humorous, and the, and.
0: We get a nice dance sequence from Jay, which he'd become sure. somewhat known for. I feel like later on, yeah, and then he does it again in Clerks too. So yeah, you no, get, that's about the most
2: physical it gets. But but it's pretty much based. It's dialogue just, based yeah. humor. That how impressive is it that out of the gate you make something like this that on its on paper. It sounds like something that would only appeal to this guy's relatives and friends. You know what I mean? Like this is something that should have probably been shown in a theater in Jersey for an opening night, and all of his friends would get a big kick out of it, and then they'd go back to their lives and they would forget it was even made. But it went on to be
1: a I, th- I think it really era defining film and took off in uh, video rental. I mean, that's when oh, it did. That's when everyone else found it. That's yeah. when yeah. I found and, it. I mean,
0: he not to try to encompass too much of his career in this conversation, but that is a through line throughout yeah. his work, is that uh, theatrically things don't typically go super well for him, but then people start discovering it at, at home. It starts getting passed around. And yeah, he does, does out, try to chase happens.
1: that theatrical success. I mean, he tries he to formalize the movies. Uh, Rats, I think the next film was supposed to be you it know, was supposed to be big, and it was the fast times of our generation. You know, and, and it went terrible. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And it, I mean, and so th- there. I've, I've,
1: I've stink palmed a person or two since then. I mean, I've yeah. learned a lot from that film all around.
0: <laughs> and we'll we'll talk about it more so going forward. Uh, I feel like, but he's got a great eye for talent. Like
2: he, w- working with actors that can bring something he can special s- across. Yeah, and
0: kind of there's at least a couple of people that he works with
2: super early on in their career that end up yeah. having that end up
0: being much right. Because I mean,
2: let let's be fair, right. Or let's be honest, you know, this film, th- none of these people went on to have big on screen careers, no. right? Brian O'Halloran and the, you know, uh, um, Jeff Anderson. Anderson yeah. Like, um, the Marilyn he, Gigliotti.
0: Yeah, I mean, no they were
2: friends of his. They've worked for this film and they've reappeared. And Smith obviously has maintained friendships with them, which is, you know, I think a, a testament to the kind of guy that he is Whoa. and the kind of filmmaker that he is. And, and He's a very nice guy. That, you know, you see these. But these aren't people who went on to have big screen careers. Although once you get into mall rats once you get into chasing game you know you do yes th- there you do yeah. start to see that kind of eye for talent early on Jason Lee Benfica
1: Yeah Stan com- Lee coming in <laughs> <laughs> Yeah he, picked he Stan turned out, okay. out of nothing
2: <laughs> uh, Well I I mean that stands first film appearances. Well, that's true. And it's just, it, you know, obviously, yeah, it is kind of funny that. How how does the
1: creator of the Hulk shy away from a film where he gets to talk about the Hulk's dick? (laughs) You know? That's
0: right. I, there's there is a story behind that where I think Stan was pretty reluctant to do it. imagine. Uh, and well, maybe someday we'll do. And and rats, and shows so. up and he's like, I don't know what this kid's gonna do yeah. with this. You know, yeah. like why is you know anyway. I
1: I I was happy to watch Clerks again. I will yeah. be next time. I do fucking love mall
0: Rats. and actually, I'm kind of sad that we're not talking. I but I could. So there do you
2: go. I could do full epi- I, episodes about every single there one you of these go. And maybe for we the will part. at some point. There's not. That's not off the table. Like I said, I kind of want to... The, the speculation on Mallrats, we should probably table it because we might come back to it. But hopefully. We're going to jump ahead in time a little bit um, when we get to the second half. But before we do the jumping ahead, we need to talk about how much uh, we enjoyed this Blue Ghost or if we did enjoy this i really like this beer. yeah
1: success love
2: this
0: beer i t- actually i had i had a pint of this it was the first thing i got when i went to the brewery the other day because i had been meaning to stop by and grab a, a crowler of it to take home because i would have been wanting to try and i just hadn't gotten around to it so when i got there i was like, okay i'm gonna try this and uh i almost went up and got a second one straight away mm-hmm. but uh a friend of mine and a uh, a regular at the brewery, Aaron, was there at the same time and offered to buy me a beer. So I was like, oh, I'll go liquid haze You this never time. say no. Yeah. Never say no. I went liquid haze, uh, as I'm prone to do. But then the, the third time, and my last uh, beer of my Rebel Toad outing, I went back and got another Blue Ghost and texted Natalie, and I was like, this is really fucking good. Mm. Give Hector a high five. And actually, the second one, the second Blue Ghost I got was the bottom of the keg, so it was like purple. Chunky. Well, you know, okay. Okay. You saw that post? No, I, I didn't. I saw, I saw someone post about it. I
2: that. went the day before you did. Mm, and thanks for the invite. Had, <laughs> it was a last minute decision. So. Okay. Um, you were probably working, actually, because I went early. But uh, I had a pint of it, and it was distinctly blue. Yeah. This one, which must have been from, I guess, a fresh keg. It was, yeah. It was just put on. Because I, I, I killed really the keg right before. straight up kind of... You know, pale, yellow, you know. Yeah.
0: They probably should store the kegs upside down. I agree. So that when they flip them, it kind
2: of disperses. I'm still around. getting some of the blueberry flavor, though. Oh, no, yeah, still yeah. definitely getting the blueberry yeah. flavor. And,
0: and it, you know, honestly, like, the one that I had that was real sludgy, that was like the... Because uh, it was literally, like, I don't even think I got a, quite a full pour out of it because the keg popped. Yeah. Um, but even now, it's not like that one... Had a ton more of the flavor in it. It was just Darker a different and color sliger, yeah. and consistency, yeah. but it tasted more or less the same. Okay, um, yeah, maybe maybe slightly more fruit right. than this, but not not enough where it's like different beers I like t- yeah. like the same way like when we have the smoothie sours if we don't mm-hmm. agitate the can the first pour is mm-hmm. significantly different in look texture and taste it was more right. just looking texture so yeah uh, i think that if you're a, a fan of fruited sours in any way shape or form and especially if you like the gosa style and i mean and it's uh, you know we're recording this mid-may so it's about to start getting hotter and if this is something that they continue to have on tap as the summer months approach and the temperatures get into the 90s bordering mm-hmm. 100 it'd definitely be a go to for me this yeah. is an after the lawn beer
1: gosa yeah. is not a style that i'm def- i'm going to am fuck up my whole joke gosa <laughs> is not a style that i would gosa to often it's not one i goes to often
2: however uh,
1: i would go to rebel toad to grab this one on a oh, hot on perfect. a hot hot God. day we're, we're... and the blueberry is is I think, perfectly in there. Yeah. I would be interested to try one of those more blue pours to see if you get incredibly more blueberry flavor. Yeah. But uh, success. Like I said, I don't have much to add. Fantastic. It's it's good.
2: I agree. I enjoyed it when I had it on tap. I'm enjoying it here out of the Crowler. Uh, I think, you know, especially as the summer comes on and, you know... Depending on when we release this, I think it'll probably be close to dead of summer, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Could be. You know, hot days, 90 degrees plus, sitting outside. You want something like this that kind of has a little bit of that acid kind of, you know, kick that just kind of... And that's helps. real crisp. Yeah, just, you know, it's it's refreshing. There, yeah. There's something really kind of thirst quenching about it, or at least that it feels that way. So... Super excited we got to have it on the show. I'm glad I got to try it at the brewery not too long ago. And another win for Rebel Toad.
1: Yeah. Will our next film be another win for Kevin Smith?
2: There's only one way to find out. Stay
1: tuned.
0: Yeah, we, we are going
2: further into the Kevin Smith. Au and And staying in the View universe, S- Heavily g- staying this in the View first phase, yeah. of, as Carlos has spelled out, of, of the gentleman's career. First era. Yeah, first era. Um, we're we're going to stay there, but we are jumping a few films ahead. But before we jump ahead i got to get some beer in my glass. And so I've brought something for us here from a brewery that we have not had before. This is Block 15 Brewing Company. They are, uh, and I just saw it, and now I'm not seeing it. They are right out of Oregon. So again, a brewing capital of sorts in, in this country. Um, though where they are, Corvallis, I'm not exactly sure. Do you, you've been to Oregon not that long ago. Do you oh, remember it was, Corvallis? It was kind of, of, it, that was yeah. 20, the end of
0: 2014 was the last time I went. Well, um, anyway. Corvallis is a uh, town with a population just under 60,000 people, so not okay. a very large city, yeah. but it is um, in between Eugene and Portland. okay.
2: Yeah, um, I've driven right past it, then. Uh, but I've, I've well, taken that drive. It,
0: it is not; it's not off the main interstate. It's a, a little more to the west, okay. uh, closer to the uh,
2: Swisslaw National Forest. I probably said that wrong. Um, this is a their take on an Italian style Pilsner. They're calling it a crisp hop forward take on that. That's brewed with Italian eraclea Pilsner malt. And generously hopped with European Styrian hops, lending zippy notes of citrus, berries, and fresh-cut grass, designed in cooperation with label artist Chris Herbst of Ashland's Flow Factory Northwest. So, nice can art, right? Some mountains. We have, uh, is that an eagle soaring above them? Uh, anyway, so we have a pilsner here on our hands. It's 5.3%. Let's get this in our glasses, start sipping away, so that we can talk about uh, the film that kevin smith made as his fourth film right this is his fourth feature it is his fourth feature and uh i
0: talked about in a few episodes back maybe a lot of episodes back that i thought saw was one of Lionsgate' uh early successes like one of their first successes and that's not true american psycho was their first big hit but they also distributed this film and coincidentally enough this is uh my favorite kevin smith movie and it was released on my uh seventh birthday
2: wow what a party kevin smith threw for you at age seven and
1: knowing your folks and how they didn't let you go see the r-rated stuff i imagine you didn't see it when you were seven i did not i did not but okay so do we say we're talking about dogma
2: not
0: yet did we say the name we go fourth film dogma fourth film is dogma (laughs) the tagline on the poster is get
2: touched by an angel, which is really funny. Um, At the time, there was a popular television series just to remind viewers called Touched by an Angel. But I mean, obviously bringing in some of the uh, naughty Kevin Smith Uh, uh, humor. Um, So
0: what's funny about my relationship with this movie, um, to get uh, more personal than I normally get on this podcast, is my... Mother always, I don't know if she was trying to compensate for something or what the deal was, (laughs) but she would always um, go really far out of her way in times where it was not necessarily provoked or like relevant or anything like that. But she always went really far out of her way to make sure that I knew that she was an understanding, accepting person and that I could tell her whatever I needed to tell her. This normally manifested itself in like, my late tweens, early teens of her being like, you know, like you can tell us whatever you want. Like if you're gay, we won't be mad at you. You're we're okay with that. Like fact, we're, we prefer it. Yeah, she would, I there think suspect yeah. I haven't heard her say it <laughs> definitively, but I have a real strong hunch <laughs> and she wanted to be uh, one of those cool
1: gay kid moms. Well, she, Sorry. She, she
0: also always wanted a daughter that she never got. Mm-hmm. So I think that has a lot to do with it too. It's neither here nor there, but she would always say stuff like that to me. Right. And so, when I was twelve, I was like, "All right, let's put it to the test, baby." Uh, and I was talking to her, and I was like, uh, "God's not real." And she was like, "What?" And I was like, "I don't think God is real. <laughs> uh, I'm twelve, and I'm here to tell you that this thing you've been telling me my whole life is a lie. Just like, like Santa, or you want to know, area. Carlos? That just uh, and and so." That was good. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. Okay. I was
2: was hoping that wouldn't go by.
0: I I I raised an eyebrow. Did Did he do
1: that? (laughs) He did do that. He
0: did do that. Uh, And so in my early teens, I found myself in this weird place which with my mom and her brother, uh, my uncle, obviously, Um, my uncle also being an atheist, uh, was... Like okay, you know this is where you're at. Here, here's literature that I have, you know, whatever. So you, I get the here's you some Nietzsche, here's some uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know certain things. as gives. And my mom went the uh, strong other direction. And was like you know C.S. Lewis was a or was it C.S. Lewis J.R. Tolkien I think well, C- T-
2: Tolkien and Lewis I think were, were I th- big Christian yeah, uh,
0: yeah C.S. Lewis was an atheist once and look here's this book he wrote Mere Christianity where he talks about coming back you should right, read, you should right, really read right. this you might learn some, you might get something out of it yeah, I was like just, uh, and I was like no mom, God's side, not real organized walk. religion is a farce like, you know. <laughs> uh, and but interestingly enough because of all of this my mom was like oh you should watch this movie dogma oh interesting and so she showed me this movie around this age 12 13 of, around 12 13 in this period of time uh i think yeah and no, i i think there was like a copy of it on dvd in like her dvd my parents dvd library and she was like oh i think i think that you would appreciate that one
1: was this your first kevin smith film to see
0: it was yeah imagine. and wow. i and i found at the time, I thought it was interesting because my reading of it was uh, slightly different than Smith's actual intention behind it. Because I have since, in a number of interviews, heard him talk. Because there was, uh, you know, this is a movie about religion and about God and angels, and we'll get into this in a second. But not about questioning religion. But as much. not about question. In fact, he says that the outrage over it perplexed him because the foundation of this movie is that, is God that this exists. is all legit is that God yeah, exists. Yeah. Like you have to buy into God's existence to go with this. And that movie. the Christian church actually is the connection to yeah. the after. Yeah. I mean
2: like what their doctrine is, yeah. what, yeah. So
0: it makes more sense in hindsight now thinking about my mom showing me this and being like, you know, here you go. And then, I mean, we can have fun about it, but we realize it's true, but it's all real. But it's there. Alanis yeah. sets up there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, but anyways, before we go on too far, uh, so this movie came out in 1999. It was written, directed, edited by Kevin Smith. And boy, does it have a cast. It stars Ben Affleck, sure Matt Damon, Linda Fiorentino, who was uh, a few years Riding prior, high at that point. Men in Black. I mean, that was, yeah. And then we last have Selma Hayek just coming out. last up. seduction. <laughs> yeah. We've got Selma Hayek coming out coming off of from dust till dawn uh-huh. uh jason lee uh who worked with smith on mall rats and jason, chasing amy and chasing amy also uh, ben affleck who came who came back from chasing amy i guess i bringing
2: in his pal
0: and yeah Mallrats. i guess i guess i think about jason lee more from Mallrats because yeah he's Kevin, uh, ben affleck's great at Mallrats, but jason lee having his film debut in Mallrats. uh Absolute legend, Alan Rickman. I thought you were going to say Garland. As a a machine uh, gun. As as, as the Metatron. Uh, Chris Rock uh, coming in as Rufus, the 13th Apostle. Yeah. And we've got a sweet Shore score, Howard Shore doing the music for this. And basically the premise of the film is that God's real, number one, (laughs) and that Ben Affleck uh, is playing an angel named Bartleby, Matt Damon, Loki, uh, also an angel um, responsible for plagues and genocide. And they have been banished from heaven and somebody has alerted them to a loophole in Catholic dogma that would allow them to transubstantiate to human form enter this church to have their moral slates wiped clean, and then all they have to do is walk out of the church, die, and they will go back to heaven despite the fact that God has told them they will never be allowed back there again. And the problem with this is that to disprove God is to completely unravel the fabric of existence, and up will become down, wrong will become right, existence will be nothingness. Yeah, And so something has to be done about it. Somebody has to be tapped in order to stop them uh from doing this and that and so it's a kind of a quest film of mm-hmm. like we're going to they're trying to do this thing we're trying to stop them this is what's happening
1: mm-hmm. if we don't stop them it's the end of humanity
0: the end of existence as a whole right
2: so you have this you you have uh Bartleby and Loki played by Damon and Affleck who are these kind of rogue angels that have been Disgraced, renegade. Renegade, and they're looking for their way back. And then you have Rickman playing. The uh, Metatron. M- Metatron, right? Who yeah. is another angel who the is. Voice trying, of He's the voice of God, yeah. Voice of God, thank you. Um, who is trying his best to assemble a team to counter this.
1: Trying his best.
2: Trying his best. And yeah. of
1: course, Jay and Silent Bob are members of that Well, team. they become
2: part of the but team later yeah, on. Right? Right? So but, that but, ties but, us into the Askew universe. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. first it's Linda
0: Fiorentino who. Is uh, a is task. She's, she's of Jesus. the last scion. We find out later in the film, yeah, that she's the great, 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 great grandniece of Jesus Christ. I feel like there should have been like 20 more greats in There's there, probably more but... greats. Uh, but for the sake of time, <laughs> uh, that's where we're going. With. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, the Metatron says... Don't worry, you're gonna have help. You won't be alone. You'll be uh, joined by two prophets, by two prophets, in a manner of speaking. Uh, and <laughs> spits the, tequila. They will, make, <laughs> they will make. They uh, will make. They will reference themselves as prophets, and of course, Jane, Son, and Bob show up to help her outside of the Planned Parenthood. Uh, where she where works. they're
2: trying to score loose women. Yeah, who, they support their right <laughs> to also, abort, but yeah. they are there because they fuck know they no. are willing to fuck. Me yeah.
0: and Silent Bob are pro-choice. Women's bodies are on fucking business. Which I gotta,
2: you know, th- these films, right? Clerks, where the, you know, they are of a certain moment, and but, they can but be kind gotta, of vulgar. I gotta say, they are vulgar, but you can always tell his heart's in the right place. Yeah, he he's, has.
0: He's he's never been a bad person he's
2: not he's never coming from a hateful place if anything he's trying to get people to see each other's perspectives on things and and generally get people to be a little bit more level-headed about this stuff yeah but yeah i mean there there is some funny stuff that kind of pokes out and you're thinking oh wow that's kind of brash that's kind of in 1999
0: for kevin smith to write one of his characters saying something so directly in favor of of the right side of a controversial issue. It's yeah. interesting to look back on. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, this movie's like 22 years old at this point anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Jay says something like, man, I go back to red bank, make myself a profit. And then she's like, Oh fuck, this is them. <laughs> <laughs> and so she, she
2: begrudgingly, it,
0: begrudgingly enlist their help. Jay can't think about anything other than fucking. And everything that they do is about whether or not she will or will not have sex with him. Uh, to the very end to the very <laughs> end, which is such a good funny moment like it that, is yeah that, that they that they were I mean because I think the first time I saw it I completely forgotten about like the <laughs> arrangement or whatever and so once he starts doing that I was like oh that's so funny that they're going all the way back to that but yeah. at the same time that all of this is happening you have Azrael a demon played right. by Jason Lee who is Turns out, as the one that tipped off, he's behind the scenes trying to pull
2: the strings for Bartleby. Yeah, he's
0: the one that tipped them off about this thing and is kind of the mastermind behind it. uh But he's also trying to kill, uh, trying to kill Bethany, the last scion, uh, and played by Linda Fiorentino Fiorentino for those playing along at home. And, um, he has these three little demon hockey player fucks that are working for him and all <laughs> Which that. It's a kind funny of little gag. It's funny. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, you know, they. I mean, the film opens with them. Yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. Rufus falls from heaven and, to, you know, to help him out, played by Chris Rock, the 13th apostle, that was written out of the Bible because he's a black man. <laughs> and. Uh, and then at some point they run into Selma Hayek who's a fucking muse, an abstract, which is a whole thing,
2: you know. Right. And, uh, and stripping. And she's stripping, yeah. Um, you know. Which, it was fun watching, so. Uh, yes, it was. I, lo- <laughs> <laughs> no- <laughs> <laughs> I just realized, but, but no, it was fun. It, it was one of the fun moments re-watching this with Aaron when she came, and she's like, I don't remember Selma Hayek being in this. Like, like everybody was in this film. This everybody. Was like one of those films that just. This was a true like, uh, you know. I remember. Alanis Morissette is in this. I film. know, right? I remember you know George Carlin. Already, we just talked clerks. Oh, he's so clerks good in this. definitely made an impression on me, but felt very much even at the time as a film like, oh, this is a film that people like me like. You know, Jeanine like Garofalo. guys around my age are going to mm-hmm. like. But then, you know. Uh, Mallrats, non- chasing Amy, chasing Amy did a little better, I think. Right? It, it, it chasing kinda, Amy, and it, chasing Amy is what saved his. It
1: career. did make. I'm non- a chasing yeah. Amy fan. I just think that Joey Lauren Adams is just difficult to listen to I in agree. a film. I agree.
2: So you know, I fucking love you. <laughs> maybe we,
1: maybe we will revisit those films
2: at some point. But neither of those films made as much of an impression on me at the time. Uh But Dogma did. Dogma felt like. Wow, this is something different. He's taking some of the sensibility of the kind of dialogue that he likes, these kind of deep conversations that can seem kind of meandering in point, but then also have this kind of underlying heft to them. But let's take it and expand it out and make it like the underpinnings of the entire universe. I mean, I feel like this was a cheap attempt of him to make a superhero film in a certain sense because... There was this mythology built around Christianity that he could just tap into that would allow him to tell this story about characters with superpowers and these kind of things that wouldn't take the kind of budget that the superhero movie of the comic book universe would have would have required. But doing so in a very heady way and one that really, I've never read into it, and I'm sure you probably have more than, than me, Carlos, I'm, I'm looking at you, uh, that... It feels like he's doing a lot that's really based in the biblical stories of these different figures. Like I feel like he must have spent some time doing the research, biblical
1: and Catholic lore. Yeah. Okay. So 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 film is. I mean, you said the Christian, like American Christian faith. This is a very Catholic movie because there are elements of Christianity, Protestantism, that have that 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 wouldn't have been able to follow along if they were steeped only in that one tradition. Um, the, but a
2: lot from the Bible too, s-
1: certainly, yeah. and some of those passages of the Bible that don't get a lot of attention that right. discuss kind of the lore of heaven and hell. Yeah, um, I say don't get a lot of attention. They're not the ones that are, appear on bumper stickers very yeah. often.
2: Yeah.
0: So, you know, I was I was going to bring this up because um, this move. Okay, so. They say this a lot about bands and stuff, but also about filmmakers as well that you spend your whole life writing your first record, you know what i mean mm. and so it 's hard to have a follow up um which I think in terms of Smith, the mallrats follow up to clerks is a very, very strong one, but this is really his first movie, like mm. this in terms of interesting int- his first notion
1: of cinematic. Well,
0: in in terms of his first ideas about a movie that he wants to make, like this is the one. And he started working on this movie before Clerks, like while he was in film school, like brief little uh, parts of what became this movie, like the idea of Rufus, for instance, um, are in his head and stirring around in there. And also, I mean, Kevin Smith being raised Catholic and his kind of um, grapplings with his own faith are something that he is, you know, doing his entire life, and so he's uh, he's thinking a lot about this film and these issues and uh, and things like that, and so by the time he actually gets around to having a full fledged narrative in his mind, mm-hmm. the underlying themes and all of the what he's trying to say and all of those things that are kind of at play he has been thinking about now for the better part of like 10 years. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, that makes sense. This was this feels like something that took time to weave together. I mean, there's so many different little threads that get pulled together, you know, as we've talked about there are these kind of two main factions, but all these other ancillary characters that are kind of involved, um the the various kind of moments that they experience, these things they go through, the shit monster, the <laughs> the Golgotha shit Um, that, that, you know, as soon as I saw them again, I'm like, oh my God, that is ridiculous that I, I remember, I remember how funny this film got Mm -hmm. with, with certain little sequences there, um, and, and really dark and kind of, uh, horrific in, in a certain sense, like the massacre scene had more of a uh, charge to it than I remember it having like it got mm-hmm. darker than I remember it yeah. I remember it being really funny and really sharp when it came to I was raised Catholic so it was a very easy film for me to understand the stuff that he was kind of throwing barbs at and but also at the same time kind of embracing and, and you know kind of laughing with not just at um, but but there
1: was some darker stuff in there that, that I forgot about I, yeah. swear, I swear to God I'm not trying to pick a fight mm. however um I believe I agree with you, Carlos. This is Kevin Smith's first crack at something largely cinematic in a way that his previous three films did not. I would like to have seen the dogma version that Jay and Silent Bob do not appear in. Uh, I believe that the view askewness, and I'm not talking about bringing in actors that we know. I'm talking about it needing to live within the Jay and Silent Bob universe, in my opinion, downplays any kind of dramatic effect the film could have had. Um, I fell out of love with Kevin Smith along the way. And I don't mean that because I just recently watched his Silent But Deadly and enjoy him as a speaker. There is clearly an audience that wants to hear his voice. But I believe that going to the well over and over and over again limits his ability to make more money than he can. Because if you don't, live in that universe or enjoy that universe or find Jay and and Bob to be distractions rather than narrative requirement, then the film is got almost some bite, almost some gravitas, almost, but then we're relying on these tropes that diminish it. I felt that way then, hmm. and I feel that way now See, uh, when I rewatch it.
0: The thing... I hear what you're saying, but the thing about it is that you're wrong, because <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew you'd feel that way, and that's
1: completely fine. <laughs> I love that this is your favorite Kevin Smith movie. But okay,
0: I I say that slightly in slightly in jest, but I also say it with a certain amount of like dead seriousness because to me, the best and funniest parts of this movie do not include Jane Silent Bob. Like they are there to be the kind of dumb like ignorant uh you know slightly clueless characters that allow for exposition to take place uh but for the most part the really really good moments are when Bartleby and Loki are together talking to each other agree really actually when Bart that's the best parts of it and you know when Alan Bethany is, pretty great. When you, Bethany and, you get, and the Metatron's dynamic is great too. Yeah. Like you get real high points there. Rufus coming in Rufus is, is nice. He's fantastic in this, this. This
2: was one of his He's I mean, so fucking funny One in this of my movie. favorite of his film performances. Yeah. I agree. Not disagree.
0: But I mean my favorite moment in this movie it always has been and in my infinite rewatches of it continues to be the part where I laugh and I'm kind of like excited cause I know it's coming and you know whatever, but the whole movie's boardroom scene, like the beginning of it is good. And especially the bickering between yeah. Bartleby and Loki is really funny. Like oh, you forgot <laughs> the magazine, uh, you know that part. And then yeah. like, and then it's all over. And he's like, but I do believe in this. Yeah. Don't run! <laughs> Don't
1: run! It's he like here, and
0: then like there's the movie like uh, icon that is like the handles to the door, and the blood splatters yeah. across it, and and then it's all over, and yeah. finally, you know, yeah, he, like, yeah. uh, Matt Damon offers Miss Price a piece of gum, and he's like, "You're the only decent one amongst them." Yeah. But you didn't say "bless you" when I sneezed. <laughs> and, then, and then Ben <laughs> Allegas come in and he's like, "You're getting off light this time." <laughs> and it's and then like even earlier in that when 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 they encounter Scott Mosier on the bus, yeah, uh, the producer and co-editor of this movie, who also has a brief cameo in it. We'll talk some more about the cameos in this movie in a second. But uh, he. You know, it's the one that's making out with that girl, and he's got a wedding ring on. He says he's married, and he's like to her, and he's like, No, that's any of your fucking business, but no. And then (laughs) then he like shoots him, and everyone freaks out or whatever. And then Matt Damon comes out, and for whatever reason, I have no idea why this was chosen, but he just starts, he looks at Bartleby and goes, Whose house? (laughs) Runs <laughs> out and he starts dancing <laughs> yeah. away as they walk off. That shit is hilarious. Also, you're couple- seeing
1: Kevin Smith's pops of sense of humor. You can tell all of that was in the script. Yeah,
0: and and also this is something I love about Dogma that is so unbelievably specific to like incredibly diehard Kevin Smith fans. But there are several things that happen in this movie. One when Rufus is telling them like that he knows everything about them, blah, 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 he talks about when Bethany let the neighborhood kid piss in her hair and then he died of leukemia and they're like, his name was Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson's Kevin Smith's best friend. He, <laughs> makes, a, he makes a cameo in this film as one of the protesters outside okay. the abortion clinic uh, alongside Walt Flanagan, who was in Clerks mm. several times. Uh, Brian Quinn of Impractical Jokers makes a cameo in this movie. Brian oh. Quinn, uh, when... Ming Chen from Comic Book Man launches Kevin Smith's website. Brian Quinn finds that this is a thing and he's like I love Kevin I love Kevin Smith's movies. He starts writing to them trying to get work like he just I just want to help out. I just mm-hmm. want to uh, you know, I live close to you like you know, is there like a job I could have or whatever and he just badgers them to the point where eventually he ends up getting employed as like doing fulfillment for Kevin Smith's website. Mm-hmm. Makes a cameo in this. Now he's on This huge TV show, Practical Jokers, whatever. Um, And so there's all these little Easter eggs of like Kevin Smith lore. Ming Chen actually makes a cameo in this movie at the strip club. Oh, he's sitting there. He's, you know, uh, as I just mentioned. And so it's a lot of that little stuff too, where if you're really tapped in to the world of Kevin Smith, there are all these little tiny things where you can be like, I know what this is, but most people don't. You know, and so there is like a little added. I feel like he's
1: made the best of his career, but I believe that this mid-career of his was a very interesting time when he just—this is my speculation—did not know, had a eternal battle or a or a specific battle with, uh, writing what was working Mm -hmm. and trying to create a career independent of that. And I feel like falling back on those two characters in a script that was so much larger than anything he had done before, very philosophical, very esoteric, very religion-based, which when he says, I don't know why people got upset about it, I don't understand his naivete, because that's what we as Americans you with love this those silly moral majority the that exist...
0: Are- the first time I saw this, and I didn't. The I didn't, platypus disclosure. I didn't know. Who, yeah, I didn't fantastic. know who Kevin Smith was. I didn't know anything about his sensibility. Right. I thought I was just watching a movie. And those right. happened, mm-hmm. and I remember being so fucking perplexed by them. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Wait, what?"
2: Very Monty Python. Going, on? yeah, very, 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 very Monty Python.
0: Very much. Um, you know, I I agree with you to a certain extent, Joe. But I think that I think wait, the time period that you're talking about happens after this. I think this is the last movie, really. In Kevin Smith's career where he fully understands what he's doing and he's doing what he wants to do and he's had these ideas that he's always wanted to execute and he's speaking from a very personal place and his voice is very intact and he's saying something meaningful to him I think Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is the point where he's like okay how do I continue to make movies and have a career? How do I keep making movies? How do him I keep how do If I he's going to use Jay
1: and Silent you Bob know? in the title of the film of course they're the stars of the movie. Well, no, That but,
0: makes sense but I'm just saying that's a movie where he doesn't really have anything to say. He doesn't have a real perspective in that movie. Right. He's just taking two popular uh, you know, he intellectual had had properties box... that he has and trying to make something out of nothing.
1: Relative to the clerk's budget, that aside, he had not had box office success featuring these two characters where he needed to bring them into a chance to make something larger and more sufficient. With the cast that he had, of course, we all know, the three of us know, that he was one of the producers of Good Will Hunting, which had come out a couple of years before. There weren't larger stars at the time that. than Ben Affleck and Matt Damon in 19... What, what year are we talking about again? 99. This is 99. 99. So, Actually, that, that on the they, filming of this film, mm-hmm. when they were filming this, yeah. they had not yet won the Oscar. Okay, okay. Well, that, I stand corrected there. But emerging stars, uh, Alan, Alan Rickman, Salma Hayek, everyone that we've mentioned... We can do something different. But he said he does something the same. He relies on these old tropes. And to me, it diminishes the power of the film. See, and, but and, but and, the silliness uh, of it, I, keep it, because that's your Kevin Smith I, voice. I, so I, enjoyed enjoyed it. It. I get I, it,
0: but I just don't think that the focus is enough on Jay and Silent Bob in
2: this movie. Well, it I seems enjoy like the role up. that they play here. The, the, the idea that, okay, yes, we have these we have a sion who's like a descendant of Jesus we have a you know these angels that are but we have to mix some ordinary regular people because yeah. god speaks through these other vessels in any religion we, we talk about how there are these prophets and these people yeah. who god selects to and wouldn't it be funny if he's who would be the two most unlikely prophets yeah <laughs> things for him to pick to speak through to me that's funny that's i a would joke. have created new character. that's a joke yeah but you but, can't again, but again here, here i am in, rewriting history, history and this is the film that we have in to front me, of us so it's a built-in lore that allows mm. for that joke to be made in a more profound way than if i had to build these characters up in this film also he built something. so
1: much else david that could have happened well, it could have yeah but but, it, but hold on, it, they hold on. show up on
2: screen and anybody who's seen clerks, clerks are- or mallrats which is has, a much
1: smaller audience than he was going for with what he
2: was trying to do but here. But no, well, but no you're but always trying to grow your audience, but I think he was also trying to make films for those who were following And him. a
1: shit monster would have filled the
2: <laughs> okay, bill. I mean, okay, that would two, have
0: appeased them. Two things. By this point, Mallrats, <laughs> had, Mallrats had already taken off on shit, home video. So Mallrats' success on home video was pretty much established by this point, even though it failed at the box office. That's one. Uh, two. me had done well. Two this is the big one not only had chasing amy done well but he was i think i'm I, i'm not gonna say like i'm not gonna say this with the uh, gravitas that i w- was planning to but one of the things that worked really well in chasing amy was Jane silent bob like they weren't there for very long, but one of the things when people talk about chasing Amy mm-hmm. is Silent Bob when he finally speaks yeah. what he says. Yeah. Like that is one of the parts of that film that is incredibly effective. Agreed. So Jay and Silent Bob are a big part of clerks, a big part of the success of clerks, a big part of like what is iconic about clerks. Mm-hmm. It's arguable about their place in Mall rats, but moving on from that. Again, with chasing Amy, part of what is incredibly successful about it is the role of Jay and Silent Bob in that film. So it's, it makes total sense that you include them in this, Yeah. not just because. And and two, at this point, you've got people that have been sticking with you. You need to do do something for them. I I don't know. I just I yeah, find I, I find the hang up of Jay and Silent Bob very confusing, and I I just don't think that they're a big enough part of this movie. For them to be something that could really derail it,
1: uh, if I find them a distraction, but
0: we've gone. I, I, we've I, gone I on mean, I, I get yeah, it. Yeah, I, I get no, it. Mean, but I
2: just, I, I understand, and I can get it. If I if I dislike those characters and and had trouble with them, it would probably be a more of a point of contention. But like Carlos, I generally find them be endearing. If anything, and, and also and this is the last good Jason Mewes we get.
0: At like he was already like pretty fucking drug addicted on mm-hmm. the set of this mm-hmm. but after this i mean he it gets way worse yeah i mean and his I've, like appearance changes and honestly
2: and- i after so i i did see strike back strikes back and or strike back and at some point maybe we'll talk about that one in more depth uh, I have not seen the reboot. I've not seen there was something else they showed up in or no? Yoga hosers. Yoga hoser. I have not seen that. so so I have not seen anything post strikes back with them. So So I strikes back
1: at the Texas premiere with Kevin Smith in attendance and got to attend a VIP. I was into the View Asku universe. universe. Yeah. I was at At that website almost every day. I mean, I was a devotee. I
0: used to have a Buddy Christ on the dash of my car. (laughs) Oh, and let's (laughs) talk about,
1: real quick, George Carlin... Incredible. When he, yeah. when he appears at the beginning to uh day. God didn't come Buddy here to Christ. give us the
0: willies. His <laughs> eyebrows,
1: his hand gestures, his, his eyebrows face. are on fire in this movie. <laughs> it, 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 it is just so, so funny. There's a oh, it's lot of redeeming here, and I will always champion a film that questions religion. This film doesn't do that too much, but uh, it it questions organized religion. Re- it doesn't question the base of the It requires religion. sheep. As, as defined in the Bible, sheep is something used, that we need to now picket, boycott, uh, uh, radically try to undo the release of this film. Yeah. I love it when they do that, the religious, because all that it does is boost the box office, all that the, it does is draw attention money. to, all yeah. that it does is, is the opposite of what the protest is supposed to do, and yet they are so single-minded in their desire to make sure that everyone knows that they are correct that they never understand that they are really falling into the hands of the film marketer at that moment yeah I, I mean except for the, the death threats I don't think I'd want death threats Yeah, no, he did get maker, several but, death
0: threats I mean this movie was made for 10 million it made 44 million yeah. at the box office prior been, to DVD I
1: think this may have been recedes. the
0: biggest budget he had worked with up until that point or maybe, I think it was
1: yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure
2: um, it was Certainly, but
1: and then he really does have a crisis of of, of career uh, yeah you know, he does this he does is when he this. moves into trying to direct something that he's never written soon after this that he
0: he has a couple more so it's like this and and then strike Jane's on Bob strike Back, and then Jersey Girl, and then he has several where he's directing scripts that he did not write mm-hmm. and and then even when Zach and Mary make a porno he he says. I mean, it was him trying directly. On he's a different, trying, yeah. trying to, to, to do a Judd he, Apatow yeah, style, which is not his but I, style. I, I don't want us to
1: get you know.
2: Yeah, because I, I feel like we'll we we will revisit yeah, yeah, yeah. Smith at some point, and we'll we'll talk about him um, yeah. because me, I need to see some of these other films. Like we've already talked about Yoga Hosers, and I have. I, some I don't times. know. I don't know if you need to see Yoga Hosers. I uh-huh. mean, it's a very specific tone, uh, but I'm curious about it. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I, I I feel like it would be it and would be I, fun to at some point get into some of these more niche films. I mean, I haven't even seen the reboot, so it'd be interesting I t- to see. That I next.
0: talked, I, you know, I talked about how in this film, there are a lot of little Easter eggs for like the devout yeah. Kevin Smith fans. Everything after red state with the exception. Of, so everything after Tusk is only for the devout. Like it's so insular and self-referential that if you're not 100% bought in yeah. and invested in everything he does, all his podcasts, all of that. So if you're not listening mm-hmm. to all of those, if you're not aware of all that yeah. stuff, there's not a ton The comic there. book
1: TV show. Yeah. I, I said recently in one of our After Hours, several months ago, I spent recently, a couple months ago, that I had seen um, his newest uh, spoken word uh, performance yeah. Silent film, but Silent But Deadly. I loved it. I love the guy's voice. An I evening with some... Kevin Smith is like, yeah, well, classic. Well, as
2: I said on the first step, like by all accounts, he's a genuinely decent guy. Yeah, I, who... I can having met him, I can, I will. Oh, I met go, him too.
0: I will go yeah. on record and say I have never met him. Oh, I've fantastic. Never seen him live,
2: although I was in the same. I remember he was actually my meeting of him is
0: much more heartbreaking than yours is. But... He
2: was doing a talk at Aaron's college when I visited her once. Oh really? Uh, what uh, college? Yeah is UMass, University sure. of Massachusetts. And and a, and a friend of hers was going but she had not thought ahead. Thanks a lot, Aaron. Yeah. She had not thought I had to get us tickets, but she Boyfriend's thought we'd want to spend time Smith's together when I had driven down to visit her. Well, why on. would you hang out with Aaron? We could spend an evening with Kevin Smith. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, not ever having... But he just—he is one of those figures in filmmaking, and that's why even these films that you say, Carlos, like, oh, you need to be so into it, I'm curious to see, because yeah. I think he is... I know you well enough, David, who, to
1: know you'll watch anything yeah. yeah. Well, there's that and find a way to like
2: it. There's that part of me, and there's the part of me that just recognizes him as a genuinely decent person who's trying to entertain, but also brings somewhat of a sensibility of togetherness, inclusion. He 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 loves all people. He like yeah. you. I'm very, I think that comes across in his in his messages. And as much as there's a crudeness to it, there's really an embrace of all types of people. And in, and uh, in, across his films, I'm very curious
0: to hear you find a way to
2: defend yoga hoser's. Okay, well, th- th- that challenge challenge, challenge has been <laughs> thrown um, down. The gauntlet has been thrown. So, yeah. we'll, all right, we, I'm we ready to get that. there, but. Having thrown the gauntlet here, can we uh, maybe pick it up and talk about this uh, Fresca Pills? It's from... crisp,
0: it's clean, it's exactly what you want it to be. Yeah, it's been Pils, very I easy feel. to drink.
2: Very easy drinking. Definitely a fan. Yeah. It, it's fun. When 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 a beer like this comes along and it just really does the thing that it sets out to do, it's kind of hard to find the superlatives to throw at it and say, hey, this is, you know, but this is just a really nice well hey we had the italian horror pills not Uh that long ago i mean well now it was a little while ago but um doing that italian style which i've never dug into at some point maybe we'll have to get an actual italian italian pills Mm -hmm. that that may tell us something but um but for me with the pilsner you're looking for that crisp clean lager profile yeah but along with that, a little bit more of a hoppiness than you would get with your typical lager. So something that's often going to be a little bit like grassy, maybe a tiny bit earthy. The bitterness maybe be in there a little bit, not to the level of an IPA or even a pale ale. But it's going to be there and it's going to help kind of, uh, I don't know, just kind of give that like, that taste more a nice body, sharp ending, yeah. kind of for it, and so. this
1: does. They they bill it themselves as a crisp hop forward Italian yeah. style, and boy, is it! It's not that crisp, clean uh, uh, pilsner that we all kind of know about. Mm-hmm. This has got a body to it because of the hops that they have put into it, and I got to be honest with you, I, en- I enjoy this more than I would just your standard run of the mill Pils- pilsner because okay. of it. Good job. Yeah, it's Absolutely. So fun, Block fun. 15 Brewing Company. We're glad to know you. Our
2: first visit there. Happy to have had that visit. Exciting stuff. Fun episode. Getting to look at a couple films in that early era of Kevin Smith's career. Maybe we'll revisit again here in the future.
0: We'll see how we feel about Jane Silent Bob's appearances and some of the others. Um, but... We very much want to know how you feel about all of these things. If you've had, uh, this particular beer from rebel toad, if you've had, uh, any Italian pills, really, I feel like it's not quite as, um, common a style as maybe some others, but if you've had anything from block 15 brewing company, let us know. You can get involved in the conversation on Twitter at beer. And we hope you do. And we hope you do. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at beer movie show, Instagram at beer and a movie, Facebook.com slash and movie, TX, brand movie You can find a link to listen to all of our past episodes. That's like over 140 at this point, maybe 150. Uh, and also we do a bonus episode every single week to accompany the main episode. You can find that on patreon.com slash and movie podcast. It's only $5 a month and you get a bonus episode every single week. And we do not just talk about beer and movies in those. The subject matter is totally up for grabs. Free reign. Uh, Also, forgot to mention, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Subscribing helps you be the first to know about new episodes. We know you're going to give us that five-star rating, but please leave a written review. Uh, Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of in the future so that we can make the the content uh, that you are most excited to consume. Um, But please do all of those things because it helps manipulate the algorithm to do what it do and put us higher in people's feeds when they search for these things, uh, that is very beneficial for the show. Uh, but I couldn't be more excited that we finally got to do this episode. I've been waiting years to get this into, through the programming, uh, David knows he had to read 15 pages, of, uh, <laughs> academic nonsense. We'll, we'll do for Tusk me, at some point uh, <laughs> over all of this, and maybe I'll tell the story on the after hours about the time that I met Kevin Smith and the context therein. Yeah. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. It's a touchy subject.
2: But until next time, you people, if there isn't a movie about it, it's not worth knowing, is it?